Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible class every Wednesday night, posted at 6.30 each Wednesday night, which is the regular time for our Wednesday night Bible classes at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. But these that we're podcasting are different classes. They're different studies. They're for those who cannot be with us at the building uh, and for those who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. We're thankful to have this opportunity, this means and ability to be able to broadcast God's word, to be able to teach on such a widespread basis through the technology of the internet. And these podcasts are always available at our website, churchofchrist.com, and they're always free. We also have a lot of other resources there for your study and for your spiritual growth. We'll talk about those in just a few moments. If you're in the Omaha area, however, we would encourage you to come and be with us and study with us, worship with us, grow spiritually with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. And... Our Bible classes begin on Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Wednesday night Bible classes each Wednesday evening at 6.30. You're welcome to any and all of these services. We'd love to have you. We have lots of visitors come our way, and we want you to know that uh, all visitors are honored guests in our minds. And you're an encouragement to us when you come, and we pray that as you study and worship with us and get to know us better, that it will be a blessing for you as well. Now, we want to encourage you to share these studies that you are listening to by podcast, Wednesday night Bible classes, Sunday morning Bible classes, and so on. Share those with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with everybody you can. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And You know people, probably a lot of people in your life, who need to grow in their faith. They need some encouragement from a spiritual perspective. Help them by sharing these studies with them. You may help somebody ultimately get on the right path that will lead them to heaven for all of eternity. What a great blessing that will be for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today. Now, we also encourage you to tell everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, scroll down the homepage to our podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We don't ask for contributions, donations, love offerings, however you want to phrase it, and what some people will ask for over radio programs and such. We don't operate that way. We simply want to help people get to heaven. We're not after their wallets. So again, churchofchrist.com. Click on our podcast button. It'll only take about a minute to sign up, and it is free. It always will be free. And when you sign up for our podcasting, you'll automatically receive on your smart device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, computer, tablet, laptop, whatever it might be, you'll automatically receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, also all of our sermons, and a great daily, seven-day-a-week, short, about a 13-minute Bible study every day that gets us into God's Word every day that we call today's Bible class. 
and also a Monday through Friday radio program that we call Search the Scriptures. All of that will go automatically to your smart device, and again, it is free and always will be free. Now, while you're on our website, you'll be able to access also hundreds of sermons that are posted in audio format, but also many of those now are posted in video format as well. And you can download and read through and then study through hundreds of spiritually based and scripturally focused articles. Again, all of that is there and it's free. We want to help you get to heaven. So take advantage of it. Churchofchrist.com. We're going to continue in our study from 1 Peter. We're in chapter 3, and this is really a tremendous study from God's Word. Just as James is, and we studied through that before we came to 1 Peter, just as James is a great book of instruction to the individual Christian as to how God wants us to live our lives as individual Christians, so is 1 Peter, the same thing. And 2 Peter as well. We'll get to that probably a little bit down the road, but let's continue in our study from 1 Peter. We're in chapter 3, and we have studied through the first 12 verses. We're going to pick up with verse 13 now. Now, in the first 12 verses, we have covered some really pertinent and relevant points of discussion and instruction, things that relate to our personal lives, the role of the woman in the home, the role of the man in the home, husband and wife relationship. We've also talked about how we need to have compassion on one another and that we need to love one another as our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that if he who would love life and see good days needs to refrain his tongue from evil and turn away from evil and do good. Now again, so many people, they think they can live in sinful lifestyles and still be okay with God. They will say, I believe in God, but they don't want to be bothered by God's word, the instructions, the commandments, the discipline that it communicates to us. Well, they need to rethink the whole situation because being faithful to God, having faith in God, real faith in God, well, that includes being obedient to God and that, that is done by living by his teachings. In verse 13, as we begin today, Peter goes on and he says, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now let's look at the first couple of verses there, verses 13 and 14. Who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good. I don't know if you've really thought about that that much in a real conscious way, but you know there are a whole lot of people who they really, well, they hold back. They're hesitant in becoming Christians because, number one, that means they're going to have to give up something of their lifestyle that they know is in disharmony with living a Christian life. In other words, 
they're going to have to be living by God's teachings, be obedient to his teachings, and that means they're going to have to give some things up in their life. And that they're hesitant to do that. Who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Peter goes beyond that, though, and he says, what if somebody makes it hard on you? What if somebody criticizes you? What if you become persecuted for trying to live a righteous and godly life? And they see that, and they, for some reason, they don't like it that you're doing that, or maybe they just want to want to be mean to you because they know you're trying to live a godly life. Well, what is that to you? In Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 7, the wise man wrote this that might help us a little bit, give us a little more insight. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, there are people who will they will see a person trying to live a Christian life and, well, I don't know, we might say the devil gets into them. <laughs> well, if they're not living the Christian life, the devil's already into them. But they will become, oh, they'll get, they'll, they'll get the idea that they're going to work that person over. They're going to tease them. They're going to ridicule them. They're going to try to test their faith and their faithfulness. They're going to try to make it hard on them. And so they're going to challenge them in different ways. But, you know, if the Christian will just remain steadfast in his devotion and dedication to God, if he will just be steadfast in living by those teachings in God's word, eventually that very consistent lifestyle will shut down his critics. Oh, they might criticize from afar, but they're not going to be that in-your-face kind of critic any longer because they know it's not going to work. That person is still going to live the, Christian, the faithful Christian life in spite of however you might try to demean him or criticize him or ridicule him or tease him or make fun of him. It's not going to make a difference for him as far as his continued, consistent, faithful living is concerned. And so it's no fun to try to criticize, ridicule, demean someone who will not accept the challenge, who will not respond in a similar way. If you can't beat them down, then you just finally walk away and try to find somebody else, in some cases, who you can work on. Well, so Peter says, who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Now, here's another lesson for us to learn as Christians. Ultimately, if we are consistent in our faithful, dedicated, and obedient Christian lifestyle, that's going to impress other people. Even people who may not claim to be Christians, maybe people who are living a very worldly lifestyle, but they will see the difference in us and respect it and respect us because we're trying to live a righteous lifestyle. Well, I've seen that in my life. And that's not the idea that we, we try to bring self-glory, that we're trying to glorify ourselves or call attention to ourselves and trying to somehow communicate to people, see what a good person I am, how goody-goody I am. No, that's not what we're talking about. If they just see that steady, consistent, faithful Christian lifestyle in you, that ultimately will impress them. Now, there might be a few exceptions along the way, but for most people, they'll come to respect that. And they will 
in a way, look up to you. Not, again, not for your glory, but ultimately for God's glory. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16? First, he said, you're the salt of the earth. Now, you might wonder, what does that mean? A salt? Well, what is salt for? Seasoning, making things better. In some cases, preserving meat. You're supposed to be a preserving or a seasoning influence within the community in which you live, within the world around you. People should see, they should, they should get that seasoning influence from you. And then he goes on and says, you're the light of the world. Of the light of the world. Now, you are supposed to illuminate from a spiritual perspective that space around you. And the people around you should be able to see that godly light in your life. Again, not to your self-glorification, but Jesus went on in verse 16 and said, let your light so shine that others may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We're supposed to be open examples of faithful, dedicated Christianity before everybody around us. Our families first, but our work associates, our neighbors, our friends, people we do business with, just people we have a conversation with in the street. They should see Christ in us. And so people ultimately, they will come to respect that kind of consistent godly lifestyle in you. And you may find them, some of them at least, somewhere down the road, they may go through a troubling time in their life and they may actually come to you and ask you for prayer or maybe for some guidance or maybe for some help in conversation because they know what kind of a person you are and what kind of a life you live. In verse 14, Peter goes on and says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Remember what Jesus told the apostles on the night of his betrayal? He told them to be not afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. Now the next day, he knew he would be on the cross. And I think being God the Son on this earth, even though he was fully human while still fully divine, I think he knew that the apostles were going to, uh, they were going to be challenged in their dedication to him when he would be taken by the Jewish authorities and ultimately crucified the next day. But still, that night before, he tells them in John chapter 14 and verse 26, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In John 14 and verse, and, and verse 6, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Interesting, isn't it? That he would tell them, he would tell them in spite of what he knew was going to happen, in spite of what he knew he was going to go through, and that would be a torturous, brutal execution, and in spite of the fact that I think he knew what they were going to go through, 
Ultimately, when the Jewish authorities took him into custody and he willingly allowed them to do so, all the apostles initially scattered. They ran away. Now, they would come back, with the exception of Judas, of course, but initially they scattered. And yet he still says, do not be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And so Peter is saying here, if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. What? You're blessed for suffering? And especially for suffering for righteousness' sake? Well, yeah, because why are you being, why are you suffering for righteousness' sake? It's for righteousness' sake. <laughs> That's not double talk. You're suffering for the right reason. A lot of people suffer because they've done wrong and they're suffering the consequences of it. But if you're doing right and people are criticizing you, they are challenging you, chastising you, they're persecuting you, well, you can still understand and be at peace in your mind. They're, 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 they're persecuting me because I'm living the righteous life, the Christian life. And you know that God has that home prepared for you in heaven, even if you die for your faith here on this earth. Jesus said in Revelation 2 and verse 10, the very end of the verse, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. James wrote in James chapter 1 and verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation for he has been approved, uh, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, if you get criticized, teased, persecuted for your faithfulness to your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, how would that even compare to what Jesus suffered for you? Jesus went to the cross for you. He died on that cross willingly, lovingly, to pay the price for the guilt of your sins. He did not go there and just go through some motions. But remember, he was still human when he went to that cross. And so all of the torturous steps of that execution, including being scourged horribly before they ever nailed him to that cross, he experienced all of that, just like any human being would experience. He experienced it as well. He did that for you. Have you suffered anything that begins to compare with that in living your faithful Christian life? Well, almost every single one of us, and probably every single one of us, would say, uh, no, nothing. Nothing even close. Not even remotely close. I want to read from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 12. And what did the prophet write? Do not say a conspiracy concerning all this people, all that this people call conspiracy, nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. 
I'm not suggesting that maybe being hit, physically abused, does not hurt. I'm not, be, I'm not suggesting that being verbally abused, emotionally abused, does not hurt. But we can take heart in knowing that God is still there with us, watching over us, that he'll see us through. And even if we should have to die for our faith, we'll be with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven for all of eternity. That person who abused us, who did us wrong, unless they repent and change their life and become Christians, they cannot look forward to that, which we can look forward to. So even in the face of persecution, we can still take heart, we can still be at peace, we can still not be afraid, let, not let our heart be troubled. We come to verse 15 in 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter goes on and he says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now what is that hope that is within us? Eternal life in heaven. <laughs> there is no greater hope. There is no hope that begins to compare with that hope. Eternal hope. Peter says be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for that hope that is in you. And be prepared to do it with meekness and fear. In other words, not haughty, not arrogant, not overbearing, not trying to pin somebody's ears back, but because God has loved you and you love God, the Lord loves you and you love the Lord, and also because you ought to love that soul that's questioning you or maybe even challenging you about your faith. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, the King James Version translates the first word there or the first part of that verse, study. Other translations say be diligent. It's the same point. Be diligent to present yourself approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling correctly the word of truth, God's word. You need to know what you believe, and you need to know why you believe it as a Christian. And so when somebody asks you, why do you have faith in, in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? You need to tell them. You need to know how to tell them, what to tell them. And if you can't call up the particular verses of Scripture in your head at that particular moment in time, you can say, let's sit down and study together. Or give me, give me a day or so, and, and I will come back and talk with you, and I will show you the Scripture texts as to what I believe and why I believe it. God's Word is powerful. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 15, Paul reminded Timothy that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. Wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and says all scripture is given by inspiration of God, God's very word in other words, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
God's word is powerful. You don't have to convince people through eloquence of speech of your own, through your oratorical ability by itself. Just tell them God's word. Just help them see what the scriptures teach. And you know, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom, through its own wisdom, I think we're to understand, did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. God's methodology of leading lost souls to salvation through Jesus Christ is through teaching the word of God, the gospel of Christ. Remember where faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Boy, we quote it all the time. Or more succinctly put, boiled down, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. You may help somebody develop faith or develop stronger faith in their life by simply giving them scripture and scriptural answers to their questions about what you believe and why you believe it. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans 1 and verse 16. God's word is powerful. God's word is powerful. It can be disarming to the challenger, and it can be instructive and uplifting to the seeker. Help them by teaching them, talking to them about God's word. We'll stop here and park. We'll come back and pick up with verse 16 next time. Let's pray together. Father, your word is so powerful. It is so rich. Oh, we can study it the rest of our lives and still have much to learn. Still, as we go through a text that we might have read over and over and over and over and over again, we can read it again and get a richness, a depth of understanding, a point of instruction that did not quite stick out to us through all of those previous readings. And that is the richness, the power, the fullness of your word. And of course, that comes from your mind. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you, Father. And we do give you all the glory. Help us to live by your word. And help us to live in your word so that we can live by your word. And help us to help other people see the power of your word to change lives. And to give us that promise of eternal life with you in heaven. We pray, Father. We pray for souls. We pray for our souls. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.